Folks, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast. Today, I'm going to be joined by John Garcia Jr. As always, we're going to talk offensive line recruiting, the tight end weirdness that goes around with Pitt, and some of John's favorite recruits that Pitt has landed thus far. It's all coming up today on this episode of Locked On Pit. Our Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As you can see, folks, John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting for Sports Illustrated and Locked On's Recruiting Insider, is in the house. And I cannot be more excited than to have John on. But it is also sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash College. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome into the show, John. Always great to have you on, man. Yes, sir, Nick. Uh, It seems like, you know, Pitt's one of these programs that has a really solid group on board. And now these coaches get to take their vacation and gear up for the season. So it's it's kind of a great time of year to to look at at where we're at. And it's always like everyone's always frantic about looking ahead. But it's good to, to kind of look and, and see what mile marker we're at uh, today. So I'm happy to do it with you. Yeah, it's very interesting to look where we're at today. And a week, about a week or two ago, when we're talking about where Pitt was in the offensive line recruiting area, they had not landed a single offensive lineman. And literally a week later, four big hog mollies are in the recruiting class. Pitt landed three of them on that last official visit weekend. And then this past weekend, Philip Daniels committed on Saturday to Pitt, which was a big land for Pitt winning goes into Cincinnati, not necessarily a big area for them to pull out of, but Daniels, the latest Pitt commit there, impressed coaches at an Ohio State camp. Uh, he camped at Pitt, pressed them, decent offer sheet, Boston College, Kentucky, Purdue, Minnesota. Uh, and this seemed like a, a very interesting last second, almost snap decision where it was a phone call with Pat Narduzzi and he flipped from Minnesota to Pitt. But a, a lot of guys that I talked to, John, in Ohio, very excited about Philip Daniels and, and think that Pitt got a good one here. I agree. I mean, this this is an athletic and lengthy offensive lineman. You know, does he have room to add to the frame? Does he need to gain weight? Of course he does, surely. But when you talk about a lengthy and agile tackle prospect, that's what the game is. We, we just saw what Pitt did last year with Kenny Pickett and those guys. They were lighting it up, uh, and he had a lot of time to light people up. And I think when you talk about blocking the modern edge prospect, he's shorter, he's faster, he's quicker, and he bends like a linebacker. So naturally, as you build offensive linemen, you need not everyone, but you do need kind of that almost like a specialist, longer, quicker, faster offensive lineman who really gives ground in a hurry and has the length to latch on to these pass rushers simultaneously. And I think that's what I see with Daniels. I do think, again, he's going to add weight. He needs to anchor a little bit better. And there's some technical stuff that he needs to throw onto his game that maybe we'll see as a senior or early 
in his pit career. But from a redirection length athleticism standpoint, there's a lot to like about his ability to block smaller, quicker edge rushers, which, again, the game is is moving to very, very quickly. I mean, I think it's already kind of there. I don't think it's moving there. It, it is there right now. So I do think you need these types of offensive linemen within your scheme uh, that are just kind of built for it. Um, and then you, you build them out from there and see where their ceiling is. But the floor here is a legitimate, aggressive, and athletic pass protector, the type that you really need in, in this pass-first nature of the game. Yeah, and Pitt was very excited to land him. Now, interestingly enough, that you know, two, uh, three out of these four commits that Pitt got were camp offers uh, at the offensive line position, which is interesting. Now, they didn't host a ton of offensive linemen before that, but this past weekend, the last weekend of June, uh, was a big weekend for them to host these O-linemen, and Daniels was actually the week before that. So Pitt cashed in after some official visits. They didn't get the last say in on Daniels or Ryan Coretta, who we'll also talk about. But I want to talk about someone we haven't talked about on the show. We touched a little bit on Coretta last week, a little bit on Ty Ray, but we haven't talked about Colin Van Roy. And and, and this is a guy that the offer sheet pits really his only major offer. But what do you see in Van Roy and why Pitt was so excited to take him? Man, th- this kid made me curse watching his tape. That, that happens about once a week, but it's usually, one, not an offensive lineman. And two, it's, it's usually something that is a little easier to sell. Like, wow, this guy made this juke that made the defender fall and everyone had their jaws on the ground. That, that is easy to explain or a big hit from a defensive player, blah, blah, blah. This was an offensive lineman so quick off of the football. And it's not just with his lower half. I think we, we, we talk about that plenty with, with offensive and defensive linemen. You need to be quick off the ball that first step. All that's great. But this kid gets his head around relative to his assignment right now. And I was kind of taken aback by it, watching Colin earlier. Uh, he really snaps his head towards his assignment today, and then the rest of his body follows. It's not just quick for a second and then everything slows down. No, he stays kind of with this urgency that I really like to see from offensive linemen. It creates Great athleticism, a very good motor on top of it as a run blocker as well. But, man, he just gets to his assignment faster. And I think that's something that is an underrated element of offensive line play. And then he's he's a, a lighter guy, probably 285 or so at this point, uh, or he looks it, even though he might be carrying more weight. And, I, again, I think it's because of those snap movement skills. So where, where we talked about Daniels as this longer kind of built for pass protection guy – I think Roy has some of those same physical traits, but he's got this urgency and motor on top of it that I'm like, I want to get him in space right now. I want him lead blocking. I want him pulling. I want him leading a slip screen on the edge. He has that type of of modern ability because that's that's another trait we're seeing more and more. These old linemen are being asked to reach block smaller and, and faster pass rushers, get to the second level and play in space in the screen game, which is really an extension of the run game more and more as time progresses. So I think this is an assignment football kind of kid with an extremely high motor uh, who just gets there faster than almost anyone else I've watched on tape this year. So I, I was really pleasantly surprised, to say the least, by Colin Van Roy. I, I don't know if the ceiling is as high as a, as a Philip Daniels, but man, this floor uh, looks really, really strong for Pitt. And I think he's one that you know, will will make others better because of that effort. It, it really can't be um, oversold. 
probably saw some of those movement skills in the camp environment and Pitt cashes in in that regard. We talked about Ty Ray last week a little bit and, and his true frame and how it is 6'7", 300, and he carries that weight really well. This is another guy that you look at Pitt very excited about Ty Ray because they've had success with some of these guys like a 6'7"-ish in the past. What about Ty Ray gets you very excited? How high is the upside? Are we talking, you know, I'll throw out a guy that maybe played at USC a while back, like a Zach Banner type player. Ooh, that's that's not bad because Banner coming out of high school, you, you saw the, the measurables and the raw traits and kind of this aggression at, at the point of contact that you do see uh, throughout Ray's tape. Uh, and I do think that's that's where his future lies. It's He's a ceiling player. He's one – you know, I think Roy, maybe if, if Coretta fills out a little more, those guys are, are a little closer to playing today. I think Ty Ray, that's a long-term projection. A little bit of development is needed there from a technical perspective as a pass blocker. But the foundation, the length, the athleticism, and the prowess at the point of contact, that, that's a guy you can kind of build around uh, for, for the long haul along the offensive line. He does come from a bit of a run-heavy offense, and I think those traits uh, are certainly valuable. Um, but I do think he just needs a little bit more refinement as a senior before we can start to make some adequate projections here. But you can't teach the frame and that competitiveness, the, the edge he plays with at the point of contact is really the foundation of offensive line play in general. So I like where he is at uh, from that perspective. Uh, and, and again, Pitt, uh, th this whole group, this is reflective of Pitt trusting its own evaluation. Th this is not following trends and looking at others for, for who they're after and then kind of trying to piggyback or swoop in on a smaller school. This is Pitt trusting what they see on tape or most importantly here in person more recently with some of these camp offers because there's still a lot you can decipher from coaching a kid up while you're you're sitting in front of him as opposed to watching what he did six, eight, ten months ago as a high school junior. So there's something to be said for updating the recruiting board and the evaluation, something Coach B and, and Pat Narduzzi obviously are doing uh, pretty frequently with, with this class of 2023. And I don't know what the board looks like from here on in, but I think you can kind of be good with the O-line hall with, with these four on board because there's enough floor, uh, ceiling, and variance in between to, to feel good about staggering this unit for, for years to come. Yeah, and they have four guys. There's talks of them maybe adding a fifth, and, and I do want to ask about the potential fifth because there's one guy that stands out right away as that potential fifth, and it's Stan Ramble, uh, who has taken lots of official visits, Michigan State, Penn State, UNC. He's been around the block. Uh, he's visited Auburn. Really, this is a kid that is being recruited over and over across the nation. But Pitt was his first official visit of the cycle. And I think Pitt fans are hoping they can maybe put the cherry on top of what is, I think, a really solid offensive line class and maybe get Stanton Ramble. What are your thoughts on him as a player and Pitt's chances to potentially land this kid? Well, look, he's he's got a top eight that is very unique, right? And his story is unique. You know, he's a kid who, you know, his dad played at Alabama, so he certainly has those ties. And he's now back down there. But you know, he grew up in upstate New York, I believe. He's from that area and, and really fell in love with a lot of the programs in, in the Big Ten and the northern part of the ACC. So you see them littered uh, throughout, you know, his top schools, not so much SEC schools in there. There's a few, you know, you mentioned Auburn. I think Tennessee is, is one of them that's high up as well. 
but you see a whole lot more of variance beyond that southeastern footprint. And I think that resonates with him uh, and makes him quite the intriguing recruit to follow. From a the player standpoint, this is a polished, kind of calculated, methodical left tackle type. Another massive kid, by the way, legitimately 6'7". Seen it with my own two eyes multiple times over the last couple of years. Most recently saw him uh, at the state championship game in December where he led uh, Thompson to another state championship. And, and man, he was dominant at points during that game. I think much more polished of a pass protector uh, compared to some of the other pit commitments at this point, uh, but holds his own in the run game as well. And I think, again, he's more of a methodical and calculated prospect to where I think he can maybe move over to right tackle. I think he could kind of anchor that side of the offensive line. But that's the beauty of what Pitt's doing. All these guys are tackles that we're talking about, which is another sign of adjusting to the times to a degree because I've talked to a few offensive line coaches the last few months. They want to recruit a center and then just tackles. Like No one's being recruited specifically to be a backside guard right now. I think tackles are being you're growing into that by default at their school, but they're recruiting tackles. And I think that that's a really critical factor of, of what uh, trying to evaluate Pitt looks like at this point up front. But yeah, I mean, Ramil optically, especially would really be a nice cherry on top to this class. It certainly feels like there's a, a top group within that top eight. I do think Pitt is in that top group. I know Michigan State is high on his list. Uh, Penn State seems like they're right there as well. And I do think Auburn in-state is, is something to look at if he is going to stay kind of a, in SEC country, if you will. Um, but I'm not sure when he's going to decide. I know he's fluctuated a little bit with that timeline. So it makes you wonder if, if he does want to be kind of this final piece for Pitt or, or be more of a Kickstarter at a school like Auburn or others that are trying to be on the front end of, of developing their offensive line class. Pitt's offensive line class looking strong. I do want to switch over to another topic, but first, folks, let me let you know about BetOnline because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's playoffs and Major League Baseball as the MLB season kicks up. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on MMA, boxing, golf, and more. Head to the website today use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, John, I do want to get back into this because while we have talked about the fruitful nature of what has been a pretty good last few weeks for the offensive line recruiting, Pitt's tight end recruiting has been what is, I think, the biggest mystery to me the entire time. This is not the first rodeo this has happened either. Pitt has been very lackluster in the tight end recruiting department, whether it has been you know trying to go to the Juca ranks and striking out there, striking out on recruits. The best recruit they've gotten is Gavin Bartholomew, who is obviously very good and made the freshman All-American team. So that was a good land for them. Um, but really, the room right now, it's transfers outside of Bartholomew. It's Bartholomew, Dylan Devaney, Carter Johnson. And you have kind of this conglomeration of guys that Pitt didn't land out of high school. And so Tim Salem, who is Pitt's tight ends coach, is a really good recruiter who recruits New Jersey, Massachusetts, uh, New York, and Pitt lands a ton of good players out of those states, but yet it seems like they never can land the tight end 
how what do you make of that and what is going on in the pit tight end room? <laughs> I, I wish I had the specific answer, but optically it kind of doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm with you there, Nick. Um, look, last year Pitt was prolific at the position. You mentioned Bartholomew as a freshman All-American, and then you had Kroll to kind of complement that, and they had combined like double-digit touchdowns, I think almost 800 yards between them on a roster that had the Bolitnikoff Award winner and, and all these other great players with, with many of them coming back uh, in, in this prolific passing game. So I think if you would have told me, well, yeah, the receivers caught 94% of the passes or whatever it is, and the tight end position on the field was overlooked, I would say, okay, well, that's that makes sense, right? Because recruits want to go where they kind of seen production, especially from an offensive standpoint. Well, they have seen that production at Pitt. It just hasn't translated to a new tight end commit in quite some time. I know there are some big targets that are still undeclared at this point. doesn't look like Pitt is the favorite for any of them. But I do think at the same time, tight end, two things. Tight end is one you can wait on. I think, you know, we, we talk about these early recruits and commitments. Um, it's still July. I, I think there's an entire season left of high school football. And, and tight end is one of those positions where historically guys coming from other sports or guys who are growing into their body kind of they're, they're late bloomers. A lot of time at, at tight end, a lot of these great tight ends in the NFL weren't tight ends at this stage of their high school career. So I do think that's one position where there's a very quick assimilation when you do have that kind of basketball frame, height, weight, athleticism, ball skills, um, skill set at your back. So I do think that there's senior risers and emergers every year. So that is one kind of silver lining for pit fans and two you mentioned it you've won in the portal at that position and that is something i do think we're going to see continue going forward i think teams that are prolific on certain sides of the ball and at certain positions like pit on offense with throwing the football i do think that is going to continue to attract top tight end transfer candidates when this thing goes forward it's going to be tough because bartholomew's so young and and, and everyone I'm assuming just expects him to be the guy for quite a bit. But last year showed us there can be a variance. There can be a shared workload from a reception standpoint with multiple tight ends in this pit offensive scheme. So I do think from 30,000 feet up, you know, you can work the late emerger and portal route once again. But it's, it is still at the same time surprising that we don't see more high profile high school tight ends ready to take official visits to pit and ultimately pick them on the trail at this point. I think two things can be true in this case, and, and it's a bit of a conundrum for sure, but there is still time to figure it out. Pitt definitely needs to add someone in that room this year. Now, they do have a few guys. Everyone in that room has multiple years of eligibility. And again, they did go to the Juca ranks to get Carter Johnson, former TCU player, and then they went to get Dylan Devaney, who was playing at Georgia Tech. So they do have three decent tight ends, obviously, with Bartholomew being the tight end one there. But Pitt has had a few guys come on campus. Zach Ortworth did not commit to Pitt. He went elsewhere. I believe he went to Iowa. Um, Jackson McGowan, the Cincinnati commit, um, came to Pitt. Pitt thus far hasn't flipped them. We'll see if maybe he's a flip candidate. But they haven't hosted many tight ends, and we've been seeing a lot of late tight end offers go out from Tim Salem. They've gone into Texas. They've gone into Minnesota. They are going across the country. And, And that's kind of interesting to me that Pitt is having such a tough time recruiting in this area. But you did talk about the portal crawl. 
was obviously a portal edition. They have two more portal editions. Bartholomew is the only kid who was from a very low-level football in the eastern part of PA, really the middle of nowhere that Pitt kind of jumped on. It, it, it is a very weird thing. How does Tim Salem, I guess this is my question, how does the tight end coach in Tim Salem, who has landed players like Israel Abani Canada, who is really good, who has been instrumental in recruiting a lot of New Jersey players, Massachusetts players like a Samuel Okanlola, how does he recruit so well outside of his position group, yet that tight end room that he coaches doesn't seem to gel to him? Well, I do think that's a, first of all, it's a limited pool. I do think that we, um, we talked about all these positions, assuming and knowing there's a lot of players available at the power five, high end power five level. It's, it's not really the case with tight ends. That's one of the positions that is more manufactured at the high school level. You know, a lot of schools throw in an extra O lineman to block, or you've got a receiver who is just bigger for a high school receiver occupying that position, a whole lot of 6'1", 205-pound tight ends at the high school level. Um, and I think that's where creativity, I think, could come into play here down the line. Again, I used the basketball example before. There is no one position that comes from the basketball court that has had more success than tight end. And I think there's a reason for that. And, and we talked about those states that uh, the tight ends coach is responsible for whole lot of good basketball in those states as well. So I, I, I'm curious down the line if this remains an issue because, again, the portal development, there are stop gaps in, in reversing a trend here. But if that becomes more of a trend, you know, 12, 18 months from now, I think that could be an avenue in, in the summer camp circuit now that the pandemic restrictions are totally behind us. Those are scenarios where you can create and host uh, some outside-the-box stuff. Or you could always go old school and have a bigger wide receiver assimilate towards the tight end role. And look, who's to say if they get an Akeem Williams, who's to say he doesn't? Ha he has a frame for 235 pounds? There is no doubt about it right now. Uh, now, selling him on that and all that stuff, that's different. But in terms of the physical ability that aligns with that position, you can go the jumbo receiver route as well and, and, and kind of – pitch the money that comes with that if you hit right i mean darren waller travis kelsey all these guys in the nfl profile like bigger wide receivers they've just continued to add to their frame here in the meantime not not everyone's george kittle who's this great inline blocker and all that stuff that that is becoming fewer and further in between unless you recruit iowa or notre dame it seems like from the nfl level so elsewhere, I think these jumbo receivers can kind of begin that conversion uh, or even just work outside permanently. I mean, Kyle Pitts is, is the unicorn example, but I mean, this kid was barely lined up in line during that breakout year at Florida and it hasn't hurt him one bit. He's still doing it in the NFL. So I think that position has become both flexible uh, and creative to the point where you don't have to bring it in in any one conventional way. We'll see how that ends up going. The tight end recruiting is probably the biggest question mark left in Pitt's recruiting class right now. But I do want to flip over to just your favorite recruits. But first, folks, let me let you know about LinkedIn. Because as the sun comes out, small businesses are back in businesses. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find people you want to interview faster 
and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then just add your job, use the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on your candidates for just the right skills that you want. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs as number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Job helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Now, John, Pitt has a good bit of commits here now after the June circuit. After Daniels committed, their total commitment number is up to 15. They also have three outstanding commitments, so it's 18, but we'll see when those get announced. Um, But you look at the 15 that are publicly revealed right now. Talk to me about some of your favorite guys in this Pitt class thus far. Well, I know we've talked about the old linemen, so I'll, I'll stay away from them. So let's go to the guy I just saw out in Los Angeles. I got to start with Kenny Minchie, the quarterback. We talked about it when he committed. We talked about it after we saw him at the regional event. And I'll certainly talk about him after the final because Kenny Minchie finished number five for us at Sports Illustrated out at the Elite 11 finals. We've all talked about how deep of a year this is at quarterback nationally, this class of 2023. So I do believe him finishing that high says a lot about his game today and may say even more about where his game may go. I mean, he's just so darn steady. He's like the the forgotten guy. He, he's that basketball player that when you're watching a game, you're like, oh, yeah, he's pretty good. And then the game ends and he's got like 24 points, seven rebounds, four assists, and he, and he shot well from the field. And you're like, did I miss this? That's what Kenny Minchie does in the best way possible at the quarterback position, not the biggest, not the flashiest, not the most athletic, but pretty darn close in all those categories. And again, just profiles so steady, regardless of setting, they really work to make you uncomfortable at these events. And he never looked uncomfortable. That's just something we don't see at the Elite 11. I've covered them for over 10 years at this point. There are a few quarterbacks that just kind of evenly keel, roll through all the workouts, the wind, the pressure, 150 cameras on you at once, and they look the same. Kenny Minchie looks the same, and that is such a a great prelude towards a a big-time college football career because obviously pressure at that position is is really maybe the most critical thing to deal with overall. So I I couldn't be a bigger fan of of Kenny Minchie. Uh, I love this O-line group. I do think, again, I'm I'm shocked. I'm looking at one outlet that has – Colin Van Roy is like the lowest rated guy. That's tough for me. Again, his snap quickness off the line of scrimmage and thereafter uh, says a lot about his floor. I think his floor is a lot higher than other folks are considering uh, at this point. Uh, And and then the last guy I'll mention is one that I'm also very familiar with. I love Antonio Cain from Tampa Bay Tech. I think he is one of those Florida pass rushers or Florida front seven guys that if he goes to pit and does what we think he can do, he's one of those that people are going to look back at one day, Nick, and say, how did he get – how did he go to pit? Like, how did they get this kid out of Tampa at a premier high school with three Power 5 programs in the state, soon to be four, by the way, with UCF, who's right down the road from Tampa? How did those four schools miss 
on a kid like this who's uber productive, a modern new age. We talked about it with the O-lineman, a smaller, quicker, bendier prospect around the edge, the modern edge prospect. How does he end up however many hundreds or over thousands of miles away from his hometown for college? He could be the gem of this class beyond Kenny Minchie for me. Um, so, so those are some of my favorites to date. Love what Pitt is doing. I've, I've talked about the variance and the balance. Five kids from my home state of Florida, so I'm always going to be a fan of that as well. And they're probably not done in, in that state. And it sounds like there's a few more that are that are ready to jump in. So curious to see how they follow up uh, with, with this current haul, but it's, it's a heck of a start. Yeah, it's a really good start. Pitt has recruited Pennsylvania. They have two PA commits. I know we talked hey, about now. that, but, but they did end up getting two PA commits, including a whip your guy in Braylon Lovelace. Um, so it did end up happening. I know we, we scrutinized that earlier. Uh, they recruit Florida, Georgia, Ohio, you know, the big, the big numbers that you look at, it's where Pitt kind of lives on the edge. You heard some of John Garcia Jr.'s favorite guys. Now, John, there is a guy that is potentially committing next week. It's Lamar Seymour. He commits on the 11th next week. Uh, now, this is a primary pit target. He was a Miami decommit. I believe he is deciding between Pitt and UCF. At least that is what has been said. What can you tell me about this kid and what pitch chances are with him? Yeah, we've seen Seymour a ton uh, on Friday nights and during the, the camp and seven-on-seven circuit. Big physical receiver uh, who, who you may mistake for an Ikeem Williams once or twice when, when you see these great South Florida teams play in the offseason. Big physical ball skills. He's got a maturity about him, not only in his demeanor, but in his game. The body awareness is really strong here. Not the type to blow the top off of a defense, but so darn big and physical where he can win those 50-50 balls, those back shoulder balls that, again, start to reflect the modern game uh, today. So he's more of a possession receiver, but certainly can work the sidelines and the pylon very well, which is an increasingly important trait uh, for, for true pass catchers. Uh, and, and, yeah, it seems like he's, he's going out of state at this point. I know UCF's made a nice push. Uh, they're doing well within state lines. Uh, but I think between those two, if it's just down to those two, I think Pitt's got the best chance to land him. We know they're prioritizing the position. Uh, we know they're active in Florida. My goodness, this could be half a dozen from the Sunshine State. Uh, and I think, yeah, the moment he decommitted from Miami, which, by the way, is a pretty big deal because they're recruiting their tail off. I think that says a lot optically for what Pitt can do uh, going forward in, in this ACC. Because Miami is one of those programs that's going to become, at least we think, a recruiting measuring stick, particularly for kids in South Florida and in the state of Florida in particular. So to go head to head and win even one of them, I think will be a pretty big deal. And, and Pitt could be in position to contend for even more thereafter. So from where I sit, I think Seymour could end up uh, as a Pitt Panther before uh, all is said and done. That would be big news, would be number 16 for Pitt. And again, still three outstanding commitments from this June crop that we don't know who they are. Uh, so we'll figure that out in the coming weeks and maybe even months. Who knows how long it will take to announce, but we will see. Maybe Seymour joins the crop. John, as always, great stuff. Tell them where they can find your stuff, read your stuff, follow you, do all that good stuff. Yeah, real simple, si.com slash college, or check us out on social right there. Under the screen, uh, John Garcia underscore JR. Folks, as always, thank you for listening. And as always, hail to Pitt.